Thank you for joining us for the True Life Fellowship Church podcast. Here is today's message from Pastor Devon Alexander. Open your Bibles to John chapter 2 and meet me at verse 1. John chapter 2 and verse 1. And the word of the Lord says, On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour or my time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast, and they took it. When the master of feasts had tasted the water that was made wine, he did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior, you have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. And after, and after this, he went down to Capernaum, he, his mother, his brothers and his disciples, and they did not stay there many days. Over the last few weeks, we have been talking about the invisible realm being miracle-minded, and understanding that there is more than what meets our eye. Last week, we had an amazing service, our baptismal service. What a special service. What new births were taking place. The presence of God was here. And we had some really good ice cream afterwards, too. So what a great time. And then that Friday night prior, we had a worship night. And I believe there was a powerful shift that took place for those that attended our worship night. Something happened in the spirit realm. And so I believe that there's some good momentum that is taking place in our ministry and in our church. And we've been talking about accessing the invisible realm, the kingdom of God. And as you know, we live in a visible and sensual reality or world. Uh, We live in this world that is dominated by what we can see, what we can hear, what we can touch, what we taste, and what we smell. And this world consists of time, space, and matter. God allowed time to be in this world to create some order, to give us some seasons and calendar and and that sort of thing to create some. So if, if we didn't have time, there would be a lot of chaos. But he never wanted us to be imprisoned into time where we are always waiting on something to take place. God has given us the ability, because we are believers, 
to access things in the invisible realm, or you could say the spiritual realm that operates outside of time, space, and matter. In John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, and he tells Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. What is he saying? Well, the kingdom of God is invisible. And unless you are born again or accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're not going to be able to even see with your eyes of faith the kingdom, the spiritual, the invisible realm. And so you have access, you have benefits that unsaved people don't have. Unsaved people are dominated by their five physical senses, but you and I that have been born again, we can access the invisible realm. We can access the spiritual realm. We can access the, the, the kingdom of God. We have the ability to see into that kingdom and access it by faith. This is what determines the difference really between a saint and an unsaved person. We have access to excess. Say this out to me. I have access to excess. And so as we understand the invisible realm, we know in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18, Paul says, while we do not look at the things that are seen, what we can see with our visible eyes, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen with our visible, natural eyes are temporary, and the things that are not seen are eternal. The Word of God is eternal, and in the invisible realm there is eternity there, and we can grab a hold of things from the invisible realm and call them into existence into this natural realm, and they have to come because the truth of the matter is the full spectrum of reality is that there is a visible realm, and there also is an invisible realm. There's a natural realm, and there's a spiritual realm. There's a, there's a physical dimension, and then there's the kingdom of God. And the reality is we can access the kingdom of God. Now, if you're like me, and most people are like me, we've been trained so much in this physical realm that we become what I call a realist. And, you know, I'm just trying to keep it real. You know, as you get older, you know, your body's going to hurt. Just keep it real. And, and you know, hey, don't believe for nothing in the visible realm because I'm just, I just want to, I just want to keep it real. And this is where realism is. And unfortunately, if you have that attitude, and most people do, then you're never going to touch the spiritual realm of God. You're never going to access the supernatural miracle working power of God because it's going to take faith in believing something you can't see in order to access something in the invisible realm. And so the truth of reality is there are two dimensions. There's this visible dimension and then there's the invisible dimension. And I wrote this quote down that I want to read to you. I thought it was a really good quote about miracles. Watch this. Miracles are not contrary to nature, but only contrary to what we know about nature. Miracles are not contrary to nature. They're only contrary to what we know 
about nature. And I want you to become miracle-minded. I've been challenged over the last few months in my own studies to think about miracles, to expect miracles, to call for miracles, to, uh, to dream about miracles, to go further in my thought life of what God can do for me versus what I can do for myself. And unfortunately, many of us limit God by what he can do and compared to what we can do for ourselves. And that's as far as God can go. If we can't do it, then God can't do it. And that's not where God wants us to be. Matter of fact, God wants us to be completely and utterly dependent upon him. In every area of our life, we should be dependent upon him. It is in him we move. It is in him we breathe. It is in him we have our being, and we are to be utterly dependent upon God, and that's where he is the most pleased with us. It, you know, the scripture tells us without faith, it's impossible to please God. When you're completely and utterly dependent on him, that means you're walking in faith, and God is pleased by your faith because you are trusting him to take care of what needs to be taken care of in your life, in your body, in your finances, in your family, so on and so forth. You are dependent upon him. And so there is another dimension that we have not accessed. And uh, we have abandoned, we have ignored, and it's the kingdom of God. It is the spiritual realm. It is an invisible dimension that we have access to. And we see here, uh, over the last couple of weeks, we, we gave examples, right, of the widow woman found in 2 Kings chapter 4. Uh, her husband has died. She goes straight to the prophet Elijah and says, hey, my husband is dead. And Elijah, the prophet, speaking for God, says, what do you have in the house? And she says, all I have is a little jar of oil. He said, that's enough. He says, go, get your sons, gather, borrow as many vessels as you can, right? Shut the door behind you. Lay out all the vessels and then start pouring the oil. And the oil kept pouring, pouring, pouring. The oil didn't stop until the vessels stopped. And I asked you this question a few weeks ago, where did the oil come from? Well, it had to come from somewhere. It came from the invisible realm into the natural realm. Then we talked about in John chapter 21, and Jesus is standing on the beach, and his disciples are fishing, and they've been fishing all night on one side of the boat. And Jesus says, cast your net on the other side of the boat. What is the difference between one side of the boat and the other? Absolutely nothing at all, except when they obey Jesus, they cast their net into another dimension. Are you listening to me now? I'm trying to go past your mind in this preaching and get you into your spirit realm because you are not a natural being having spiritual experiences. You are a spiritual being that is having natural experiences. Are you listening to me this morning? Say amen to that. And so they cast it out on the other side, and they, they caught so many fish, they needed help pulling it up. I mean, they, they, where, where did the fish come from? It had to come from somewhere. The fish came from another dimension in the invisible realm, the kingdom of God where there's access. Well, then we find a fish in, I'm sorry, a coin in the fish's mouth. They approach Jesus and say, hey, or they approach Peter and say, does, does your master pay taxes? He says, yes. So Jesus tells him, where did the coin come from? It came from 
the kingdom of God, the invisible realm, another dimension into this natural dimension to meet all of their needs. And so my goal here is to stretch your thinking that you have access to more than you realize that you have. And, and understand this, that we are not supposed to be reading the Bible just to be reading about miracles. We're not supposed to be hearing just hearing sermons about miracles. We're actually supposed to be experiencing these miracles. Come on, somebody. We're experiencing these miracles, and it is God's plan for us to experience the supernatural power and provision of God. You can experience unexplainable events where you can't even explain how that happened. This is what God wants you to experience. This is what a miracle is. I can't explain it. This is what a wonder is. I wonder how that happened. One particular time, this is not a deep miracle, but one particular time we took our entire family out to eat. And we rarely do that. As our family got larger, we stopped going out to eat a lot because it just got rowdy, you know? And so we usually do takeout. But this time we took everyone out to eat, had a good time, enjoyed our time. Well, the, the waitress was really, really nervous when she came to the table. And I'm like, what are you nervous about? Can, I, can we get the check? You know, it's time to go. And she was like, uh, I'm like, what's going on? You know, I'm kind of blunt. What's going on? Just where the check? She goes, somebody paid for your meal already. I said, glory to God. Why are you nervous about that? And she was like, I, I, I didn't know how to tell you, but it's already taken care of. Well, this is, this is your pastor. I'm sorry. I started looking around. Who paid for the meal? I'm walking around the, the restaurant. Who in here paid for it? And the Lord said, Devon, go to the car. <laughs> and I'm like, Lord, I need to know we paid for it. This is a wonder. It's a miracle. I'm wondering who did. He goes, I told you there are going to be miracles, signs. And wonders take place. Well, that had never happened to us before. And glory to God, what a wonder it was that the Lord, through an individual in that facility, paid for our meal. How did our meal get paid from? From the invisible kingdom of God, through a person in that restaurant, and we were well taken care of. This is how you experience the miraculous working power of God. And I want to get you thinking about this because I believe there's things in the invisible realm that have been stored up for us in the kingdom that we have not grabbed a hold of yet. And by faith, it's time to grab a hold of it and pull it in. It's time to grab a hold of that healing by faith in the invisible kingdom. If the doctors have told you there's nothing more I can do for you, you grab a hold of your healing in the kingdom of God and pull it in in Jesus' name. Who, If I'm talking to you, shout amen. And so in John chapter 2, we find out here that Jesus attends a wedding. And this wedding uh, is believed to be a relative's wedding. And this tells me a lot about Jesus, that he wasn't a party pooper, right? He got invited to this wedding. And his disciples came along with him, and his mother is there. And so they're all attending this wedding. And then the wine runs out. So wine can be synonymous with joy. And in that time... The wine was, had to be present for wedding in order for them to feel gladness, peace, and joy. And so the wine has run out. What an embarrassment to have run out of wine. I don't know about you, but have you ever hosted something and you ran out of food? 
Uh, that's embarrassing. We've done that and had to run back out to go get more food because we wanted people to continue to enjoy their time. And so they ran out of wine. Mary runs up to her son, Jesus. She says, listen, they don't have any wine. And Jesus turned to his mother. And he says, woman, now be careful. If I ever said that to my mom, I might have got knocked out. But, but that's how they talk back in their day. Jesus said, woman, he says, what does that have to do with me? Why, why does that concern me? And that's a really good question, right? Why did she run to Jesus to tell him that they had no wine? Well, obviously, there could be some vindication that Mary was looking for. You know, she's been the bunt in of a lot of jokes. And maybe she's like, listen, it's time for you to demonstrate what's been prophesied over you. This is your time for the whole world to see. Go ahead, demonstrate this. But I believe she went to Jesus because she knew that he meets needs. Jesus meets needs. He provides for your needs. He supplies needs. He meets needs. And too often you and I are not going to Jesus when we have a need. We're going to try to get another job. We're going over here to try to sell something. We're going over here to try to get a third report. We're going and we're going and we're going and we're going and we're not going to Jesus. To meet our need. And she went to the need meter, Jesus. She said, they don't have wine. And Jesus says, what does that concern me? And she turns to his disciples and she gives them the key to miracles. That's the title of this message today. The key to miracles. She turns to his disciples. She didn't even say nothing to Jesus. She turns to his disciples and she says, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Say this after me. Whatever he tells me to do, I'll do it. This is the key to miracles. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. We have to understand here, let me take a step back. Jesus then begins to tell his disciples to go gather water pots. Now, he just told his mom, this doesn't concern me, but then all of a sudden, he tells his disciples to gather the water pots. I started studying this out, and I began to think about this, that any time it is your season, it is your time, it is your hour, it is your opportunity, someone has to call it out of you. You never determine your own time season. It's called out of you. Someone sees something in you, and they call it out of you. This is your season. This is your time. God will begin to connect you and direct you and establish you to be with maybe a certain group of people or to, or to meet a certain entity. Or, or maybe it's your time when you get fired, Jeannie. Maybe that's your time, right? You get fired and God's, it's, it's my time. I have the same story. I got fired. And the Lord, I'm like, Lord, what happened? He said, it's your time. It's your season. It's got to be called out of you. And it may not always look like peaches and cream when it happens. It may look ugly. It may look rough. It may feel bad. But God is calling your time out of you. And said, it's your hour. It's your season. I want you to do what I've called you to do. Do it now. Do it quickly. Do it well. Do it. Do it. Do it. And she called it out of him. I'm reminded of Elijah. He called it out of Elisha. Do you remember? Elisha was just plowing the field. He said, yo, come follow me. And he dropped everything, went and followed him. Someone in authority called it out of someone else, and they 
enter to their season. Jesus did it with his disciples. There's, there's earthly stories. A, a, a man told me a story when his season happened to him, where he was called out of him. He was a minister, and a, a, a larger ministry reached back down to him and said, you need to get on the radio, and you need to get on these stations. This is when the radio was fired. He told him what stations to get on. He followed that advice. His ministry exploded. What happened? Someone called it out of him. And I prophesy over you right now in Jesus' name for those that will receive it, it is your time. It is your season. It is your opportunity. Now is your moment. This week will be the best week of your life. If I'm talking to you, shout amen. Amen. And so he began to gather water pots. Scripture said that the water pots they gathered were six. And it said there were about 20 to 30 gallons. Let's say they were 30 gallons. And so there were six water pots and 30 gallons. How many gallons of water were, did they gather together? How many is that? Somebody shout it out. 180. What is 180 synonymous with? A change, a turnaround. A turnaround's about to take place here. A change is about to happen here. And so they went to the well. Now, they didn't go to the back of their house, pull out their water hose and fill up these water pots and then come back. No, they had to go to the well and they had to dig in the well and, and fill these water pots up. This was hard work. This was sweat. But they obeyed Jesus because Jesus' mother said, whatever he tells you to do, the key to miracles, you better do it. Whatever he says to do, do it. And so they obeyed him. They obeyed him. They filled the water pots up. They brought it to Jesus. And Jesus then says... Take a cup of water out of the pot and take it to the manager of this wedding. Take it to the wedding coordinator. Take it to the groom. Take it to the boss. Take a cup of water to them. They could have said, Jesus, this is a cup of water. And they're looking for wine. And all you have is water. But they didn't do that. If you are a realist, a naturalist, You'll say, I am not going to do this. I will not obey. I will not follow. I'm not going to. This is water. I will not be embarrassed. I will not be made a fool of. I will not be shamed. And I just sense in my heart, some of you are not doing what God's called you to do because you won't humble yourself. You're, you're too busy thinking, well, I'm, I, I got too much pride to do this, and I've got too much ego, and I, I, I got too much shame, and what if I fail? I remember when the Lord told me to step away from my six-figure paying job to go into the ministry. I thought all the time, people are going to make fun of me. What if I fall flat on my face? What if I fail? I'm going to be shamed. I'm going to be condemned. This is going to be the stupid decision ever. I got a family. What if I do this, and I, I don't, and it doesn't work out? I, could, I had every excuse in the book not to do whatever he told me to do. Every excuse. And I heard the Lord say, you will not be embarrassed. And that was a word for me. I said, I'll take that as a word of God for me. I will not be embarrassed. Say that. I will not be embarrassed. Not be embarrassed. Some of us aren't doing what God's calling us to do because we feel like we're going to be embarrassed. And I heard the Lord say, you will not be embarrassed. I said, okay, I'm going to take that as a word. I'm not going to be embarrassed and I'm going to do what you've called me to do. Matter of fact, in Isaiah chapter 54, I'm going to pull it to you. I'm going to pull it up for you. Isaiah chapter 54, I didn't plan on using this verse, but it's in the message translation. Somebody say, hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Isaiah chapter, I believe it's 54. Isaiah 54 in the message. Let's take a look here and we make sure this is right. Glory to God. Yep. Isaiah 54 in the message. Sing, barren woman who has never had a baby. Fill the air with song, you who've never experienced childbirth. You're ending up with far more children than all those childbearing women. God says so. Clear lots of ground for your tents. Make your tents large. Spread out. Listen to me. Think big. Use plenty of rope. Drive the tent pegs deep. You're going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family. You're going to take over whole nations. You're going to resettle abandoned cities. Don't be afraid. You're not going to be embarrassed. Don't hold back. You're not going to come up short. Now, this is the word of the Lord. Don't be afraid. You're not going to be embarrassed. Don't hold back. You're not going to come up short. Think big. Say, think big. Think the impossible. Think the unlikely. Think big because God is not going to embarrass you. Hallelujah. I believe the Lord is pleased when we think big. Glory be to God. And so these disciples, they have already pulled up the water. And as they have the water pulled up, Jesus tells them, go ahead. And take it to the master of ceremonies. You can pull that verse down, guys, if you like. And as they took it to the master of the ceremonies, they were obedient when they took it. And the master of the ceremonies grabs the cup. And when he grabs the cup, he drinks it. And as he drinks it, he says, this is the best wine we've ever tasted. Now, understand this. This is so very important that the disciples knew that it was water. Jesus knew it was water. But the master of ceremonies tasted something entirely different. Where did the wine come from? It came from an invisible kingdom into the visible realm through that water. God supplied the wine through the water. This is a miracle that took place. Now, now listen to this. A turnaround took place at this wedding. They begin to pass out the new wine. The master of ceremony says most people give the good wine, the good wine first and leave the inferior for later. I'm going, you, what you've done is you've given the bad wine first and leave the best for later. And I saw something in this. Pause there. Our bodies are made up of what? They, they say about 65 to 85 or so percent water. Is Jesus really just talking about turning water into wine, or is he talking about turning ourselves into something new? 
Is he talking about converting humanity from something deeper than just water into wine? When the good wine came last, some of you have had a start, and it hasn't been a good start, hasn't been a great start, or maybe it's been a different start. But when the transformation, the turnaround, the 180 came, I submit to you and prophesy over you that the best is yet to come for you. Some of you, you may be later on in life. You may have felt like you failed in life, but the best is yet to come. If I'm talking to you, say amen. Amen. Say this out to me. The best is yet to come. Just like the best wine came later, the best of your life has come in later. And what God has done is turned your ordinary, routine, predictable, usual life into something extraordinary. Glory to God. Hallelujah. God is working on me. God is developing me. God is crafting me and molding me. And I had to go through that. I had to go through this. I had to be disappointed. I had to be let down. I had to be criticized. I had to be condemned so that I can be ready for the turnaround. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I had to be ready for it because my best years are ahead of me. Sometimes I just had a birthday, you know, and sometimes I think, yo, man, I I should be a little further along than I am. And I think I got a ways to go and it's going to happen supernaturally. I got a ways to go and the best is going to happen for me. I'm looking at my greater days just ahead of me. The glory of the latter house was greater than the glory of the former house. It got better. The glory got better. It's going to get better for you. I don't know who I'm talking to, but it's going to get better for you. It's going to get better for you. From here out, it's getting better. Maybe I'm talking to somebody in that camera. It's going to get better for you. It's getting better. It's getting better. It's getting better. They don't seem excited in the house, so you get excited about this. It's getting better. It's getting better. It's getting better for you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It's getting better, and the wine got better, and the wine was the best wine. Man, I just sense my best days are ahead of me. My best days are just right before me. I don't care if you're 75 years old, your best days are ahead. I know the natural. Well, when you turn this age, this starts happening. I went to a physical here recently and said, when we turn this age, this starts, I said, I rebuke all of that. I rebuke it all in Jesus' name. My best days are ahead of me. And they include no pain. Somebody shout, no pain. pain. Say it again, no pain. pain. Now shout shout it like you mean it, no pain. In Jesus' name. Can I go deeper with this? Okay, so listen, water into wine, Jesus is not just turning water into wine, he's talking about a conversion from the old covenant to the new covenant. So when Moses turned water into blood, that was judgment. He, Moses is the lawgiver, and he brought judgment when he turned the water into blood, but Jesus came, who is the grace and truth giver, and he didn't turn water into blood. Blood, he turned water 
into wine, signifying righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And so Jesus said, there's a new covenant that has come. I'm bringing something fresh. I'm bringing something new. I'm bringing something radical. It's going to include joy and peace, and I'm bringing the best of your life. Not the judgment. I'm going to take away the penalty and the judgment, but I'm going to bring the best. I'm going to bring, he ushered in the dispensation of grace. And he said that I, your sins and your lawless deeds, I shall remember no more. And so he ushered in grace and truth, and Jesus brought in the new wine. But if I can go slightly deeper, I want you to realize that the, Jesus didn't speed up the process of time here. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to preach a message called Supernatural Acceleration, how God is speeding up the time, and that what we normally, what would normally take us 10 years is only going to take us one year. And what would normally take us 20 years may just take us two years. He's speeding up the time, and we're going to talk about that. I'm excited about that. But in this first miracle of Jesus, He didn't speed up the time because if I were to put water on my porch for a hundred years, it would never turn into wine for a thousand years. It just wouldn't automatically turn into wine one day. So this wasn't a process of acceleration. What Jesus did was demonstrate creativity. This was a miracle of creativity. This was a creative miracle where Jesus took a substance of something and brought in from the invisible realm a new, entirely different substance on the same substance and changed it molecularly. Jesus issued a miracle of creativity. He created something that would not normally evolve into what he created it to be. So there was a complete change that took place. And what I submit to you today is that God, through his power in the invisible realm, is laying upon you creative miracles right now. Do you receive this? There are creative miracles that are taking place in your life that you'll begin to create and don't even know how it came. It came from the invisible realm and you'll begin to know and you'll begin to understand and you'll begin to see creative miracles take place in your life. You'll begin to see when the doctors say, I can't do nothing for your hip, you'll begin to Touch God for a creative miracle to where your hip is healed. When they say there's nothing uh, that we can do for your eyes, creative miracles will begin to take place. When they say you'll never get married, God is molding and creating your spouse right now. Matter of fact, I declare this week will be the week you meet a potential mate in Jesus' name. Who received that? This is your week. To meet the not so just be ready because God's creating, He's orchestrating, He's He's aligning different paths and different travels and, and journeys. And you you didn't want to go to Harris Teeter, but you went to Harris Teeter on that day, and somebody there saw you and you saw them, and He created a way 
the way there is no way. I'm talking to somebody here today that God is orchestrating and he's creating out of nothing. He's, well, let me, let me correct that. He's not creating out of nothing. It's something, but he's putting something new, something that's never existed before on whatever it is that you need to take place. He's creating for you. He's creating. He is the creator. The name God means creator. He is creating. He's originating. He is the source. He is going to illustrate. He is going to show you something new. And what happened in verse 11, John chapter 2 and verse 11, I like what it says. It says, this beginning of signs, this beginning of signs, this beginning of signs, you are the sign. Hmm. You are the sign. You are the difference maker. You are the one he's using. You are the one he's molding. You are the one he's changing from ordinary, routine, predictable, usual life into an extraordinary life. It's you. He's changing you, and you're going to be the sign. People are going to look at you, and they're going to say, you are different. What is it about you that is so different? And all you're going to be able to say is, Jesus this is Jesus. And how did you get promoted? Jesus. How did you meet that person? Jesus. How did you receive that healing? Jesus. How did you get that raise? Jesus. How did you know what to do when no one else knew what to do? Jesus. Jesus. And it's going to be unexplainable because he has put his creative power on you. And all you have to do to receive a creative miracle is whatever he tells you to do, do it, whatever it might be. It could be sow a large seed, get, you, get a large financial seed and sow it, do it. It could be go talk to that person over there, go introduce yourself, do it. It could be make him a sweet potato pie. So the Lord told Stacy to do, to introduce herself to me, was to make a sweet potato pie at church. She handed it to me, and look, we're married now, glory to God. Whatever he tells you to do, you know what? I'm going to do it for the glory of God. That is how you access the miracle-working power of God. This is how you access the invisible realm. Lord Whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it because I want to pull from another dimension and bring it into my reality. We have the ability to do this. And God wants us to press in for more of his provision. There are things that we are believing for personally in our life, and we're pressing in more than we ever have. They, they, seem, they seem impossible, but we're pressing in more than we ever have. Believe in God and calling it out of the invisible realm into this natural realm. When you begin to operate in this type of level of faith, 
Everything you say matters. You will not want to say what you don't want to see. Don't say what you don't want to see. Well, my joints are hurting. Don't say that. Well, I'm always tired. Don't say that. Because when you start operating in this realm, your words become very impactful. And you only want to say what you want to see. Now, that doesn't mean you act foolishly and you come to me and you say, Pastor, I want to talk to you. And then you don't tell me what you want to talk about because I'm only one. No, 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 no. Tell me what you want to talk about. But when you are operating on this level, when you begin to call things, you're only saying what you want to see. And when you say what you want to see, you'll see what you've been saying. Are you listening to me today? I got more to say, but I'll wrap this up. This is how you experience true life. You have been listening to the ministry of Devon Alexander, pastor of True Life Fellowship Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more information, go to our website at www.truelifefc.org. You can also support this ministry financially through our website. Thank you, and remember to love, learn, live, and lead. Thank you.